following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. All right. Well, it's so good to be here. And I really mean that. Um, I'm not just saying that because that's the right thing to say. Um, 23 years ago, to this day, I believe, I came in here to this church for the first time. There was a youth conference going on. I think it was a Youth Alive conference. And um, I sat in that corner there. There were no chairs in the room. I don't even think there was a stage at that time. Um, And I was just so broken and sad because my family had moved from Australia to America and I was 15 at the time. And as you can imagine, as a 15-year-old in all my teenage angst and um, even, even just moving cultures, this is before Facebook and the, well, we had the internet, but um, it was a big culture shock for me. And I left behind everything that was familiar to me My friends, I came from a great church and great youth group, a great school. And um, to be honest, I was sitting there in that corner and I was so just down. I was so frustrated. I was probably mad at God. And in that season, I think my 15-year-old self had just kind of come up with a plan of like, I'm not putting down roots here. This is not my home. As soon as I turn 18, I'm going to moved back to Australia. I didn't actually have a plan for how I'd accomplish that, but uh, that, that was my heart posture. But I remember just being so weak and broken and in this room, um, and I was talking with Kathy about when this conference might have taken place, and she said it was over MEA weekend, and so I think, you know, 23 years ago to the day, or to the, to the week, and... Um, so I, I sat in that corner, and I didn't have anything to give God, but the presence of God found me. And I found this, this peace and this familiar presence that I'd felt across the other side of the world, and it finally came here, and I found home in the presence of God. And so it's just an amazing testimony to be able to stand before you today now I have a wife and, and three kids here and just a beautiful church family. And um, I say all of that not to just tell you a nice story, but I actually just want to make a point that God is playing the long game. I think um, in our church culture, we, we, uh, we believe for the miracle and for the breakthrough for revival, and those are all really good things, I believe, for those things, too. But um, the older I get, and I still got a lot of growing and maturing to do, but I'm starting to realize that God is playing the long game. Um, another example of this is uh, in the late, late 2000s, Pastor Bob took a group of young men in their early 20s, I was one of those men. We had a lot of passion, but not much direction. And he mentored us for a season. Um, he bought each of us a book 
called preaching. Do you remember this, Bob? <laughs> preaching. And I, I didn't have any aspirations to preach. In some ways, I still don't. This is not my comfort zone. But uh, he mentored us, and he would take us out to hear different people speak and then take us out for dinner afterwards, and we'd talk about the message. And it seemed like after that season that maybe nothing came out of that. But again, God was playing the long game. <laughs> like, here I am. Like, seeds were planted, seeds were watered, and then in God's timing, here I am today with, with something to share. So I just want to encourage you with that. Um, just have that perspective of God being faithful and playing out in the long things. So um, we're going through a series called The Heart of Worship. And last week, Pastor Renee kicked things off just by talking about how our worship was a response to who God is. A lot of times we can think about what worship looks like. Is it my singing or is it my private times of devotion before the Lord? Those are expressions of worship, but worship is actually beholding the attributes of God, looking at who God is, and then responding to that. And so today, I just want to drill down on that a bit further and talk about the posture of true worship. And I know that might sound a little abstract right now, but trust me, we're going to get down into what that actually looks like. Because me, I, I, th I can think in big lofty ideas, but uh, I need something concrete to, to really sink my teeth into. So when I say the posture of worship, I'm talking about the posture of our heart and our, and our mind. How am I positioning myself before God in worship? And more importantly, does God see the way that I worship as true worship. So let's just start out with like a really familiar passage. Uh, John chapter 4, verses 23 to 24. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And I've grown up in, that, in the church, and I've heard that verse my whole life. And I get it. I get it up here, and sometimes I get it up here, but I don't know about you, but part of that verse still seems kind of abstract to me, like spirit and truth. Okay, what does that really look like? So I did some, some digging and some research um, you know, let's look at some Greek words and Greek definitions for worship. Um, sorry. All right, so that word worship is the Greek word proskuneo, and it actually means to bow, to kneel, to lower, to prostrate oneself out of reverence, adoration or submission to someone of superior rank. So when we use that word worship, we can think of just coming under, lowering ourselves, um, kneeling. That's, that's the mental image we should have of worship, not just what am I saying with my mouth, what am I singing. 
It's about how we posture and position ourselves before God. And that word true basically just means true. (laughs) Genuine, authentic, real, pure, not counterfeit, and not fictitious. So I, I looked into those words, but still I came away kind of feeling like I still don't know what that looks like. It seems a little abstract. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I overthink things. Maybe you guys have got this figured out. But uh, I know in my head that God is looking for worshipers that worship in spirit and in truth. But what is the actual practical application of being a true worshiper? And so uh, God led me to Romans 12. Um, But before we can get to Romans 12... Because um, it starts off with the word therefore, and so whenever we see therefore, I've been told it's a good practice to go see what the therefore is there for. That's a tongue twister. Don't say that ten times fast. <laughs> so uh, let's back up to Romans 11.33. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And so before we get to Romans 12, we have this beautiful hymn of worship and adoration, just beholding the wisdom and the knowledge and, and the glory of God. And that sets us up for the response, because remember, worship is not just what we say or what we do. It's actually our heart's response to, to who God is. So we get to Romans 12. Sorry, I didn't put that slide up there for you. Um, Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, so in, in response to God's mercy and everything we just read beforehand, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is the key. This is your true and proper worship. So it's saying this is what it looks like. Like you want to be true worshipers? Offer your body as a living sacrifice. And this service, um, some of your translations might say um, your acceptable service or your, your pleasing service to God. And it's still this, the same word, essentially. It's, it's not service like out of duty or obligation. It's coming before God, kneeling before God and saying, like, what is, what is the, the proper response to everything that you've done? I think Pastor Renee mentioned last week, like the only logical response to a God who lays down his life for, for me is that I would lay down my life for him to be a living sacrifice, right? So if I were to come up with like a short, simple working definition of what true worship is, and this is not the definition, this is just something that's simple that we can just kind of put up there for today and kind of grab onto. I find it helpful to define it like this. True worship 
is a life lived in sacrifice, submission, and surrender to Jesus. It's coming in a posture where we lower ourselves before Jesus and say, you're the king, I'm not. You're the captain, I'm not. You're in charge, and I'm not. It's the dethronement of myself as king and the enthronement of God as the one true king. So that sounds pretty simple, right? <laughs> Just enthroning God as king, and we're done, and we can go home. It is that simple, but yet it's not, because it's actually really, really hard. We live in a culture that puts self and self-determination at the center of everything. Society tells us that you can do anything you want. You can be anything you want. You have the right to happiness. You have the right to determine your own destiny. It's all about my goals, my ambitions, my preferences, my choices. I get to determine what my life looks like. Where I work, where I live, how I spend my money, what I do with my free time. It's all up to me. I, I get to do that. That's, that's me. And I know some of you hear that and you probably think, yeah, that's, that's actually a really good thing. I don't want the government telling me how to live my life. <laughs> and I say, I hear you on that. But I think the point I'm trying to make is, is there room for his government to rule good. in my life? Good. I can be so determined about what I want my life to look like and my choices and my five-year plan, my 10-year plan. But... And culture is cheering us on to, to do all of this, to, to go get it. Um, but is it in submission to, to God? With all my freedom and all my autonomy, who is actually in charge? You know, our, our culture right now, the idea that we would submit all the freedom we have, and it's good freedom. Like, I'm an American citizen. I, I love this place, and I own multiple businesses, and I've had so much opportunity. I have a house and land, and it's all really good. But the idea that I would submit all of that to a higher authority, to a higher power, to an actual king, and say that he knows better than I do how to manage all of that, that, that idea is offensive to our culture. Like, you, you just have to look out there and see it. Like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> this, is, this is my life. And as Christians, we're, we're not above this. We swim in this culture. This is the air we breathe. And so we can say, no, you are the Lord of my life. But it's actually really, really hard to walk this out. We can fall into the trap of following God's rules without actually submitting to his rule over our whole life. And it's entirely possible to keep all of his commandments without living a life of sacrifice, submission, and surrender to him. Can you guys see that? Like the tension there? 
Um, and, and Jesus actually confronts this in the, the story of the rich young ruler. Um, we won't turn to it right now. We all know the story. The rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you, you know the commands. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, honor your father and mother, don't steal. You know it. And the young ruler says, Jesus, I've kept all of these commands since I was a boy. And you kind of get the, the impression that he's like saying, are you impressed? Like, <laughs> I've kept all of this since I was a boy, which I don't know. Maybe he did, but <laughs> that's a lot to live up to. Jesus responds to him, there's still one thing you're missing. Sell everything you have, take the money from that, give it to the poor, take up your cross and come follow me. And the Bible says he went away grieved because he was a man of great wealth. And I think it's really easy for us to reduce this to a story about rich people. Like, it's never about me, right? It's about your rich uncle or that, that celebrity, that sports person who has a lot of money. They're the ones who need to wrestle with this. But me, I'm just a regular old guy just trying to figure out how I'm going to pay for my kids' braces. <laughs> so this verse doesn't apply to me. But I think... I think it really does apply to us. I think we have more in common with the rich young ruler than we think. Um, when it says it's a man of, of great wealth, um, different gospel accounts, and when you look into the Greek, it, it means he had many possessions. So this is likely a guy that has a lot of power, a lot of autonomy, a lot of freedom to make his own choices, are you drawing some parallels here? <laughs> this is not just rich people. This is, this is us. A lot of possessions. Man, we have so many choices. You go to the supermarket, like, what kind of ketchup do I want? <laughs> Takes like 20 minutes to pick that up. <laughs> Jesus said to him, look, you've been doing all the right things, but... What I actually want from you in this moment is for you to lay down your life and to follow me. I think we can get so focused on the selling the possessions and then giving that to the poor. Like we zoom in right on that. But I think the saddest part of this story is that the rich young ruler turned down an invitation from Jesus to follow him. Like Jesus is right there. He says, come follow me. The, the selling the stuff was just like so he could be free of it to follow Jesus. It wasn't about like letting go of riches and wealth. Jesus just said, for you, what you need to do is let go of that so you're free to follow me. And he couldn't do it. God will not force his rule and reign upon us. Like, he gave, the, he gave the choice to the rich young ruler. And he won't force his rule and reign upon us because um, he won't force that posture of worship on us because worship, again, is a response to who God is. God can't respond for us. That, that response comes on our part. 
And so while it is a response, it's also important to remember that it's not a negotiation. Nor are we delegating authority to God. So I'm going to try and illustrate this to show you how ridiculous this looks. I don't come to God on my knees and say, God, here is my life. Be Lord of my life. And here's what I want that to look like. (laughs) So you can be my savior and my provider. And these things over here, I've got those for now. If I want your help, I'll ask for it. Um, If I want your opinion, I'll ask for it, and I might consider it, but I've got it. Do you realize how ridiculous that looks on my knees? Like, that is not worship. And that's, that's what we're struggling with as we navigate this life and the tensions of this culture to say, no, you're you're, on, you're in charge, you're on the throne. So, the question then becomes, if the default mode of this culture is self-determination, doing what I want, when I want, doing things my way, basically just being my own God, like, what's the solution to that? How do I reprogram my brain to shift from my kingdom to your kingdom. There's good news. Jesus actually taught us how to handle this. So let's look at... Um, this is actually not Romans 12.1. It's Matthew 6.10 or 6.9 and 10. Uh, Jesus, it's the Lord's Prayer. You guys all know it. Um, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we often pray this prayer in kind of a big picture sense. And I think we should. I think if you just look out in the world, just even in the last two weeks, there's just like so many tragic, heartbreaking things that we've witnessed And like the only prayer you can pray is just God, let your kingdom come. And so we should pray that in that way. Um, But maybe we also need to pray it in a personal way and let this prayer confront me and my kingdom. And so I'm, I'm praying, God, let your kingdom come. God, let your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. It's no good if it just confronts everything out there, but in here I still have my own throne, my own kingdom, and God is just over that. But when it gets down to it, where the rubber meets the road, I'm still in charge. So um, I like to just break this prayer down and like really think about it and meditate on what it means. Your kingdom come. What does that actually look like? It means your values, your ways, your ethics and your rules, your will be done, your ambitions, your agenda, your goals and your objectives. Or another way you could look at that is not my values, (laughs) not my priorities, not my ethics, not my rules, 
not my ambitions, not my agenda, not my goals, not my objectives. And I just want to take a time out for a moment and just make something really clear. This doesn't mean that we can't have dreams or goals or ambitions. I, I really do believe that God places a, a creativity and just this spirit that dreams and envision things. And there's nothing wrong with that. It just means we need to submit it to Jesus, not run off with our own dreams, but like actually be creative, hear from God, dream, and then just submit it to Jesus. Let him work it out what that looks like, what the timing is. I also want to point out that you could get carried away with this too. God is not a, a, a micromanager, so it's not like you pull in through the drive through at McDonald's and say, oh Lord, do you want me to get the, the Big Mac or the McNuggets? I just want to follow your will. <laughs> See what I mean? Like you can, you can just get weird, so don't do that. Um, I just want to share some personal, personal examples of just how God has been working this message into my own life. And I share it not to put myself in a good light because for each of these examples that I share, there's like three times as many that I'm still wrestling with. It's like I'm giving it to God, but I'm, I'm holding on to, and we're having this tug of war. But uh, let's see. Um, when my wife and I got married, we, we knew we wanted to have a family and we wanted to have three or four kids. We had our first one, Evelyn, she's sitting right there. And then uh, we started trying for a second one, and it just wasn't happening. And, you know, the months turned to a year and then multiple years. And I know anyone of you who have been through that just know the disappointment that that can bring and how it just, it's like a dark cloud just hovering over you. And, like, you know to do what you know how to do, but, like, it's like, God, you have to actually bring the miracle of life, and, and this just wasn't happening, and we, we got prayer, and we had friends and family praying into this, and it just was not happening, and we went through five years of this, and we came to a place where we just felt like God was freeing us to lay this dream down of having more kids at his feet, and it was really, really hard, but it also was just like the only thing that made sense to do, so we submitted that dream to him at his feet. We laid it down and we just said, God, you know our hearts, but if you want us to have one kid, we will steward that well. And we thank you for this one child, for Evelyn. We thank you for Evelyn. And we will move on with our lives and we will follow you. We'll stop trying to chase this and stop trying to make this happen. And the, <laughs> the irony is, a month later we were pregnant with our... <laughs> Our next child. And I'm not saying that's the formula to having kids. Um, like, just as a side note, if that's something that you're struggling with or you want prayer for, my wife and I would love to pray for you for that and just believe whatever that looks like for you, that God would come and give you that peace. Um, so seek us out if you, if you want prayer for that. Um, another area that, that we need to submit to is finances. Um, and I'm not just talking about like 
giving to the Lord, giving our tithes and offerings or giving money to missionaries, but actually, like, how do I actually steward my finances? Because I think it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking, like, well, I give God this money, and this is my money. <laughs> so, right? You had your money, now I get to decide what I do with this, this stuff. Again, that does not line up with the posture of worship down on my knees. I don't tell God, you can have it all, all 10% of it, or whatever the tithe is, you know? <laughs> um, and so every year we get like a tax refund, and um, there were so many projects this year that, that we could have put that money towards, like we just needed to do some stuff around the house. Um, my wife and I talked about maybe just paying off the van, right? That seems like the re responsible thing to do. We had a year left of payments on that. Why don't we just pay that off? But just over time, I felt like the Lord said, you really need to take your family on a vacation and make some memories. And uh, that doesn't mean <laughs> he told us where to go because we had a lot of discussion as a family about where we wanted to go. And so that took some ironing out. But in the end, we ended up going to South Dakota this summer, and it was so good for our souls. My little guy Bennett over there, he talks about it every week. Like, when are we going to go back to South Dakota? And so it was the wisdom of God who knew. He knew what we needed in that season of our life. And by submitting that nice tax refund <laughs> to him, like, the money went so much further than anywhere else we could have put it. Um, You know, another big area for us as Americans is just our dreams and our desires and our career. Many of you know my wife has a dream to eventually start her own school. And um, we've, for her, she's had so many doors that she's knocked on that have been closed. <laughs> and it's so frustrating because it's like, God, I know you've given us this dream. You've given her this dream and... We've had confirmation of that. So let's get on with it, right? <laughs> let's go. And uh, last summer, I just remember just coming to the Lord in prayer about this as she was interviewing for various positions that could have been a stepping stone to that. And um, it hit me that what if the center of God's will is to stay exactly where we are? <laughs> Even with our dreams. Like, no, I... I know you're frustrated, I know you want to do this and that, and that's all good, but like, what if I want you to just stay here and be content? And that, that was offensive. It was offensive to me. I don't, you'd have to talk to my wife about, <laughs> about how she feels about that. But the idea that we're not progressing, we're not climbing the ladder, so to speak, um, it's offensive. But again, God's ways and God's wisdom are higher than our own. So I want to just start to wrap this up, and I'm going to be giving all of us just an invitation uh, to respond. And I realize a message like this is going to land with different people in different ways. Maybe for some of you, you hear 
a message like this about sacrifice, submission, and surrender, and it just seems like a burden. Like, great. Now I have to sacrifice more. I have to submit more. I have to surrender more. And it just seems like something really heavy. But I just want to say really clearly, it's, it's not about that. It's not about doing more. It's about the posture of my heart before him. And I would actually say, if you feel like it's a burden, I would just encourage you, it's actually a place of rest. When you're on your knees, when you're face down on the ground, you're not carrying anything. You're not doing more. You're just posturing yourself before God. Some of you might feel like you have nothing left to offer God. That's certainly how I felt 23 years ago sitting in that corner of the room. Remember, I had, I had nothing. I just left behind friends and family and everything that was familiar to me. But I still had the opportunity in that moment to posture my heart in submission to God and to say, God, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to fight this anymore. Um, and it doesn't mean that in that moment everything changed and I just had this moment where the light shone on me and suddenly this became home. It was definitely a process, but like there was a shift that day that went from resisting God's will for me to be in this country to accepting and just knowing that, that God was with me. Maybe the Holy Spirit... Um, can I have the worship team come up? Um, they're going to lead us in a song in a little bit. Maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting and revealing to some of us where we've been sitting on the throne and where he needs to be sitting on the throne. Maybe we've been calling him Lord and Savior, but really he's a little bit more Savior than Lord, if you know what I mean. But there is an invitation today to bow and to kneel and to lower ourselves before the one true king. It's an opportunity to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. And again, it's not... It's not out of duty or out of service, um, out of obligation. Romans 12.1 says, in view of his mercy, it's a response to his mercy that we would come and offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. So let him reveal those areas in your heart that need to come into submission to his rule and to his reign. Um, I'm just going to close in prayer, and then the worship team's going to lead us. But uh, the prayer I actually want to pray is from an old hymn called Take My Life. I'm just going to read it, and just maybe just close your eyes and, and let this be your, your prayer. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in endless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing, always only for my king 
Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself, and I will be ever only all for thee. And so, what is our response to this invitation? I just want to open up the altar for, for us to come and posture ourselves. Maybe that looks like kneeling or sitting. Whatever it looks like. Maybe you want to do it where you are. Maybe it's just something you do in your own heart. I don't want to manipulate anyone to do something that they don't want to do. The Holy Spirit has to move you and convict you to, to posture yourself however you need to. And so I just want to open this up, and the team's going to lead us in a song that is just all about laying it down before Jesus' feet. It's all about submitting to him. All about surrendering to him. Holy Spirit, come. God, would you be God? I don't want to be God anymore. You can have it all, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.